Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Hello, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire. Now, today I'm talking to Keith Maidley, who is Mr Yorkshire known as Mr. Yorkshire. Um, And I understand, Keith, that you were brought up and educated in Bradford. So you are Yorkshire born and bred through and through, aren't you? I am, Susan. Yes, I was uh, born brought up in Bradford, went to school. Um, The school actually overlooked what was then the old Bradford Foster Square Station and Valley Goods Yard, which gave me my first interest in railways. Uh, And at 14, I was... um, deputed to go and visit uh, the headmaster to ask permission to form the Carlton Railway Society. And I ran that as the president of that until I left Carlton Grammar School and we did trips around engine sheds all over Britain. So when I left school, all I wanted to do was join the railway. And I was interviewed at York and lots of other young men were coming out of this interview in, in those days with long faces. I went in why do you want to join the railways, Mr. Maidley? And I said, well, I'm president of the Carlton Railway Society. And that was it. I got the job. Um, So I started at Bradford Foster Square at 16, quickly realised that um, it was like filling dead man's shoes to get promotion. But it was British Rail in those days. So we got a monthly vacancy list. And a few of us saw these jobs advertised in the southern region. Um, And we applied for them. And on the day of the interview, I was last in. And this was in Queen Street in the City of London. And I walked in and there was the chairman of the interview panel with two either side. And Mr Rogers, I got to know him quite well. But the first thing he said was, Mr Maidley, will you go and look out of the window? And I'm thinking, funny request. And I turned round, these three guys were in stitches. And they said, you're the third from Bradford today. We wanted you to look out of the, the window to prove that the streets of London are not paved in gold. <laughs> and of course, I got the job. So at 18, I was a grade three clerk where I'd been lucky to be a grade three in Bradford at 30. And then at 19, I got another promotion, grade two. And uh, then I decided I wanted to become a station manager. And I had um, a lovely guy I got to know was a relief station manager. He became what we would say today, my mentor. And um, studied all the exams. I passed those at 20. And everybody said, you're going to be at least 25 before you get your own station or stations. Uh, but it was the second interview, and it was back to Mr. Rogers chairing the panel. I had the interview, and they never normally told you whether you were successful or not. And at the end of the interview, Mr. Rogers leaned back in his chair, looked at his colleagues. They all nodded, and he put his elbows on the desk, and he looked at me right in the eye, and he said, Keith, I have checked, and today we're going to make history, because you're going to get this job and you will be the youngest ever station manager on British Rail. You won't let me down, will you? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and that was at the age of 21? At 21, I had three stations, a staff of 30. Wow. And then two years later, I got promoted again to uh, a major junction in Kent called Orpington. I had four stations there. Uh, I was part of a team, a station management team. And um, I was then 25 um, and I just I was rather sort of upset with the militancy of the trade unions, if I'm really honest. We still find a little bit of that today. And I thought, can I cope with this for another 40 years? I don't think so. So I decided to come back to Bradford. I was summoned up to head office 
And the divisional manager himself interviewed me and he said, what are you doing? You're going places on the railway. Look at your file. And I said, well, I've made my mind up. The, as I have two young children, another one on the way as well, Susan, but the saving grace as I was leaving, uh, it just said to me, Keith, if it doesn't work, ring me and you've got a job on the railway. And that gentleman, Malcolm Southgate, was the one who was supervised the building of the Channel Tunnel eventually. Really? So it was you know, yes. some quite history there. Yes. But the um, working on the railway and dealing with irate passengers gave me a fantastic um, experience really of public relations. Mm. So I came back to Bradford, applied for lots of jobs and got loads of interviews. And the one I really wanted was public relations manager at a computer software company. I had no idea about computers or programming. And after three interviews, the chairman said, um, you've got the job. 18 applicants, 17 graduates, and the next station master got the job. (laughs) (laughs) I did that for three months, and then he called me in, and he said, you know, the general manager has left. He said, we want you to be general manager. I was 25, and then got three children, company car, and uh, I did that for three years and eventually became a director. But it was during that time I met um, a family friend who had set up as an insurance broker and I gave him all the business for this company. And um, after two years, I said to him one day, John, do you fancy you and I going in business together and I'll take on the financial services? And he was great. You know, he's still, I was talking to him yesterday, he's a wonderful friend. Um, and he just said, Keith, I can't believe that because I, I just kept thinking I'd love to go into business with Keith, but he probably wouldn't want to take the risk. I said, well, at the moment, I'm responsible to a board. If it's you and me, it's us running the business. And we had that business, Susan, for 30 years. Right. And, uh, you know, we're still best of buddies. Mm. So that tells you a story, really. Yes, it, it does. Yes. Um, and it was um, really through that. And then Chris joined us and uh, we opened an office in Bushy. We were up and down the motorway, and when um, she came up with the idea of the cones. Mm. So uh, yeah, so because Chris, if we'll explain, is yeah. is your your wife, and she's she pub- she's uh, published a lot of children's books, the cone series, hasn't she? She has, and uh, she calls me a marketing director. So <laughs> we decided we'd work with Corporate Britain, and my background gave me all these connections. Um, I don't like saying this because I think uh, I don't like arrogant people, but people outside say to me, your black book must be worth a fortune. (laughs) (laughs) So we just started talking to all the companies and Mm. uh, they all backed the Cones books. And when did you actually, when did you, um, someone else gave you the title of Mr. Yorkshire? I know you didn't do that for yourself. When did that come about? Right, well, that came about in 2007. For several years, I was chairman of the Yorkshire Society and um, just, again, lived in the profile of Yorkshire. Um, And I was chairing this small digital marketing agency and one of the founders came in one day and he said, we've bought you this domain name, mryorkshire.com. And initially I said, I can't use that. You know, does he think he is? You can and you will. So they set up that website and the... um, Gentleman concerned, he's now managing director of one of the largest digital marketing agencies in Leeds, Enjoy Digital, who've redone the website for mm. me. So we still uh, work with, with this other gentleman called Chris, mm. and um, it's good to see how they've prospered. But uh, now we use the brand really to help companies coming into Yorkshire, help lift the profile. Um, I was approached by a company a couple of years ago called Green Frog Genovate. Uh, based in Birmingham, but they'd opened a manufacturing facility in uh, in Yorkshire, uh, and I spent several months with them. 
helping lift their profile and the managing director has subsequently sponsored a Cones book. <laughs> right. No, that's good. Yes, and you've um, you've you've had quite a few awards, I know. Um, I know that you um, that you've an MBE, haven't you? Yes, um, I must say when that came right out of out of the blue. I mean, you don't know; you just get a letter. And originally, when I looked at the postmark and the letter, I thought this was probably from Company's House. <laughs> Nobody took, <laughs> and it's it's just a wonderful feeling. So that was two thousand and eleven. Um, and the citation was um, for supporting the communities of Yorkshire. Um, and then uh, about two years later, I'd been chairing an academy for the Church of England, and I got a letter from the then Bishop of Ripon and Leeds uh, saying, I want to appoint you as LA canon as a thank you for your service to education and business. Uh, and then two years ago, I got a letter from the Vice-Chancellor of Leeds Trinity University uh, wanting to make me an honorary fellow. Mm. And then um, this university, Lee's Beckett, uh, last year made me a visiting fellow. So I always keep saying to people, it's not bad for a lad who left school with two O-levels, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So you've uh, you've come a long way then since then? Yes, I mean, it's just... you you, you can't, What I think about this, you cannot buy these um, honours, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so when they come, they're very special. Mm. Uh, but I also say that it's not just you, like the MBE, um, it's the people working with you. And you know, as I was saying, I was chairing the um, the Yorkshire Society, I was also chair of a, a community initiative that um, was set up by the Duke of York in those days. And um, it's those people working with you in those organisations that mm. help you get noticed. And you know, you, So you, I think you've always got to acknowledge it's teamwork. It's, it's a team, yeah. So and that's the team behind you as well, isn't it? Very much so. And that, Susan, going back to my original days on the railway station manager, I was a staff of 30, apart from the junior porter, I was the youngest one in the team. I was in charge of guys in their 50s who'd been on the, the railway all their life. And it taught me to work as a team. Mm. There has to be a head, but you make sure the team are with you. Yeah, it's quite a challenge, though, I would think, someone who's been there for years, all of a sudden this whippersnapper comes in, <laughs> telling well, them what I, to do. I'll tell you one funny story. I've got to tell you this. Um, obviously, if there was a, a problem, anybody injured or, you know, shall we say, uh, wanting to finish their lives, um, you were in charge of that situation. Mm. And I remember getting a telephone call one afternoon. It was the first one from a signalman down the line, and he said... Uh, Station master, you need to get on the next train and take the driver down with caution. There's been a suicide at Ravensbourne, my, my worst nightmare. And the train came in and the driver looked at me and I said, driver, we've got to go under caution. Somebody's committed suicide at Ravensbourne. And we set off and you could see him. And he looked at me, probably he was in his 40s then. And he said, is it your first one, Governor? And I kept trying to keep, you know, as I was in charge oh. of the situation. I said, oh, uh, oh, yes. He said, oh, don't let it worry, worry you. He said, I've done 12. And he had him notched on his hand. Oh, he said, no. the only time I get upset is if it's children. Mm. Fortunately, we got to this spot, uh, Susan, and uh, it was a lady who'd left. Uh, sadly, she'd been released from a mental home. And she'd wanted to commit suicide and she jumped in front of an express. We never know to this day how it, this happened. But she bounced onto the next track. The express missed her. The driver had to be taken off at the next station with shock. Mm. And it was a local train coming up that saw what happened, stopped, 
got the lady into the waiting room and we called the ambulance and, and the police. And she survived. And she survived. Wow, yeah, from yeah. that. So yes. that was a, that was a, a near miss as far as a, I was a concerned. Near miss, yeah. Yes. Oh. Ooh. It's uh, you don't think about that when you're thinking about working, you know, on the railways. It's not no. something but I know yeah. it is something that you've to be aware of. You have and unfortunately, sadly, you know, every week you're hearing the train's been delayed, somebody mm. has uh, has jumped in under a train. It's really sad and I think we've all got to be conscious of people around us if we any sign of mental illness or mm. worry or depression, I think it's up to us to hold the hand figuratively, you know, and um, make sure they don't do that. And to be more aware just in the general workplace. I yes. Think. Mental very... health mental health awareness is is um, something that has gone it's it's more recognised now, whereas it used to be a really taboo subject that people didn't talk about. That's absolutely right, and it's such a shame. And I'm so pleased now that it very much high on the agenda, mm. and um, particularly I think sometimes men feel that they're, they're weak if they talk about it, and they're not. It's very strong to talk about a problem and share it with people. What do they say? A problem shared. Mm. It's a problem halved. Mm. And the thing is that the the, the situation that um, well, it still probably does happen where somebody you know you break a a, a leg and you get all sorts of mm. um, you know well sympathy. wishes and yes, sympathy you do. from everyone. But then mental health issue, yeah. people are too embarrassed to ask I or know. to to actually intervene in case they're intruding. Yeah. But just how are you? We've got to you know be just very, maintaining the yes. contact. Even if someone's not comfortable to talk Absolutely. about it, yeah, it's yes. so important. Mm, definitely, and I guess throughout all of the work that you've done and the the management side of things, that um, obviously you've been involved in that too. I have, and um, uh, as I say, I'm so pleased that now it's way up the agenda. And uh, I was talking to one gentleman who was working with one of the banks, uh, and he got very close to committing suicide. But um, fortunately, his wife just became aware of it, and he's now leading on this in the bank, which is fantastic. And the bank just were aware and Mm. said, we want you to lead um, so that this doesn't happen to other people. And I think if you are aware of it yourself, then you can probably help and recognise it in other Absolutely. people. Absolutely, yeah. Mm, definitely. Now then, something a little more cheerful. Yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah. go on to a more cheerful topic. You are wearing a Yorkshire suit, aren't you? Yes, it's one that we call Yorkshire it... Yorkshire cloth. It's Yorkshire cloth. We call it the Yorkshire striped suit. This is one of four different colours. This is mm. the latest one. And uh, as I say, I'm not in textiles, but mum and dad were. And I just felt that we really needed to make sure that people are aware that we can still produce such fine cloth. So if you look closely, as you've done, you'll see Yorkshire's in the stripe. Mm. Um, obviously, we've got the Archbishop of York wearing two. Um, we've got Yorkshire MPs and presentation at the House of Commons um, on the suiting. So we have a few Yorkshire MPs with uh, sporting the, the Yorkshire stripe suit. I was with the Chief Exec of um, Bradford, Last week, Kirsten England, and she's bought material. I'm just trying to get her a dressmaker, and she wants a lady's suit in the mm. material. So it's not just men, it's women as well. It's women too, yes. And we're sat currently in Cloth Hall Court, which is... It couldn't be more appropriate, more appropriate could it? Because yes. we're on the site of one of the old uh, trading markets where cloth was exchanged in the mm-hmm. 1700s. And um, it's uh, such an appropriate name. 
and uh, Leeds, as we know, with particularly Burton tailoring and so mm. forth, and Bradford, you've still got some very fine old names, like the company who do this is called G.H. Clissold. They celebrated their centenary several years ago, and they're still producing fine cloth. Yes, gosh, it's, they've been going as long as that. Yes, no, absolutely. That is, that is really good. Oh, fabulous. And it looks very smart. Thank you. It looks very smart. <laughs> I've always had a passion for regeneration. Mm. And uh, I was uh, on the pointy to the board of, um, in those days, the British Urban Regeneration Association, or known as Bureau. Uh, sadly, that uh, ceased in 2009 when we had all the financial problems. Mm. Um, and it was supported by some of the major construction companies but it gave me a passion to um, look at regeneration in our towns and cities. And uh, what I'm really pleased to note now in Leeds, you look at the South, call it the South Bank, and there's so much taking place there, and people mm. are moving back into city centre. Um, there was a lunch, a business lunch in Bradford on Friday, and talking about how they are regenerating the old Odeon Cinema. So instead of losing that wonderful building, mm. it's going to be like an arena and take three to 4,000 people. Mm. So I am passionate about regeneration. And the People's Regeneration Fund was an idea that I came up with with a lawyer friend in London. And it was to try and get um, people to invest money into a like a unit trust that would then invest in regeneration it, yes. so that you and I could feel that we were helping make this transformation possible mm. um, but as I say I think the timing was just unfortunate because we yes. all know what happened 2009-10 mm. and then the austerity that we've had for the last few years Yes, but it's good to see all the as somebody said the other day when I was in the seminar and you looked out of the window in Leeds and there was all the crane chips and that's a good sign mm. and a lot of business is coming north now isn't it which is, is well, good yeah, absolutely and where we are now if we just look out of the window is the new headquarters for Channel 4, mm. the old majestic building, again being regenerated in Leeds. And this has already had a profound effect, positive effect mm. on the area. And again, I was talking to somebody this morning that um, uh, got connections into Channel 4. And I think even Channel 4 are excited about the prospects and to share in the rebirth of the Leeds city region. Mm. And I think people moving out of the... Um main London sort of area coming north, it's quite a good financial proposition, isn't it? Because we're more economical up here. Well, <laughs> Don't it, you think? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's absolutely you right. You get more, more for your money. You do get more for your money. And I, I went through that in 1973, but mm. the, the difference wasn't quite the same as it is today. And it was funny enough, I was talking to uh, the chairman of the university, Lee Specker University, and um, he now lives in Ither Green, which was my first posting when I went to London on the railway. And we had a chuckle because he said, you remember those terrace houses up the road? I said, yeah. He said, they're now going for £800,000 each. And I sold a semi-detached not far from there in 1968 and out for six thousand seven hundred and fifty. Oh. <laughs> but then um, prices generally, it's, relevant, it's, it's it is relevant. Yeah. It's relevant to what you earn yes, and, and everything is. else, isn't yeah, it? it? But is. um, moving north is probably a good financial proposition. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just looking to see. Um, you were awarded um, a 
a freeman of the city of London, weren't you? Yes, yes, I was, both Chris and myself. Right. Um, I, I was quite involved. When we had the London office, um, I became a member of the Carlton Club and met some delightful people. And one day, one of the members there, who was very involved in the city of London, in fact, he was the parish clerk of Cornhill, and he just said in passing one day, oh, you and Chris are going to get freedom. And that freedom, and he said, of oh, the city, dear boy, <laughs> city, city of London. So um, this was all arranged, and we both went down for an interview, and then we received the letter, and we arrived at the Guildhall to get our freedom. And the gentleman in charge at the time said, it's many years since I've had a husband and wife, so I'm going to personally take the ceremony. And do you mind, Mr. Maidley, ladies first? (laughs) And I said, of course not. So we both became freemen of the city, I think that was in 1999, at the same time. Mm. And what, when you say the freedom of the city, what do you actually get? Well, there's this old uh, (laughs) adage that you can take your sheep over London Bridge. (laughs) Um, So it's just um, hypothetical... Yes, it's... it's, um, it's a wonderful Total. institution and um, we look round the room where the ceremony took place, um, you know, like Lord Nelson. Uh, in fact, he had it twice, one of Admiral Nelson, and then when he became a lord, he wanted it again. Mm. And I think it was after that that you can only get it once. Right. But um, people like uh, Nelson Mandela, mm. uh, Margaret Thatcher. So it's a very it's a, um, yes. high prestige, really. It's, it's a lovely, it's just another honour. Another honour, you know, yes. You, you, and, and once I realised what was involved, I did my part in making sure that people who warranted it mm. actually got it. And they... One of the law mayors of Bradford, I thought she should have the freedom. We arranged it in her year, mm. and we went down, and she was made a freeman while she was the law mayor of Bradford, which is just right. lovely to do that. Yes, yes. Do, um, do we have something similar up here? You can get freedom of uh, of, of these cities, but I think it's slightly different uh, mm. way of doing it. But you'll often sometimes uh, perhaps a regiment may have been given the freedom of York. Mm. Um, and um, I, I, I know it does apply in Bradford and Leeds as well. I'm not sure how it works. But I'm not sure how it works in no. these areas. Oh, well, that's two of us. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're the brand ambassador, I think, for iYorkshire.com. Yes. Like tell us about that, please. Well, it's back to what I was saying about helping companies lift their profile. And um, going back uh, two or three years, I met one of the uh, founders of that, um, and then he's just relaunched with a, another colleague, and they've got an amazing reach on Facebook. It's something like two to three million mm. when they do a posting. And uh, again, they're looking like your good self to look at some of the stories that's happening in Yorkshire mm. with people or with organisations, and just to make the public aware of what we've got. So anything that's promoting Yorkshire, as I said right at the start, mm. has got my support. Yes, no, it's it's fabulous. I mean, you've you are so involved in so many things. It's like, what do I ask you next? I think we've probably covered a lot of it. Is there anything that we've missed? Uh, well, I'm sort of helping a, a, a lovely gentleman in Pontefract who's um, an independent financial advisor. So it's nice to mm. help in somebody that what, what I did. But he's um, specifically uh, an expert in auto enrolment pensions, which is an area a lot of people don't want to know about. But it's the compulsory 
uh, state pension scheme mm. that companies now have to ha- have to have, and it's just good to be supporting him. And uh, he's now got the distribution for the whole of Yorkshire and the North, which is great. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so um, helping that's wherever, another one. wherever you <laughs> yes. can. Yes, okay. So what plans have you got for the future then, Keith? Have you got anything in the pipeline? Yes, um, on Friday I've been uh, approached by the um, Scots Arts Foundation um, and it's our publisher's wife who became a trustee of this when the um, husband and wife who were running the uh, this hall near Boroughbridge um, they sadly passed away and left some money in trust to help budding artists and uh, we went to the launch a couple of years ago Chris presented the awards in their first awards ceremony last year and then sort of out of the blue Susan, the wife of our publisher contacted me and said would you become the chair of the Scots Art Foundation uh, and I was for three, four years the chairman of Yorkshire Business in the Arts um, that was funded, uh, funded by the Arts Council Susan and um, I took over in 2010 money in the bank, we would got a grant from the Arts Council and you probably know what's going to come because then there was the cuts in the budget. The Arts Council cut the funding nationally by 50% and we then got the telephone call, I'm sorry, nothing for Yorkshire, all oh. the money is being kept in London. Oh. So how many times have we had that? <laughs> so we, we had to sort of wind that up in 2013. Mm. But with this coming up now, it, to me it's almost like a rebirth mm. and I'm looking forward to the challenge of making sure that the uh, objectors of the foundation uh, are made available to budding artists in Yorkshire. Yes, I think it's going to be um, quite a challenge for me to get to do the show notes for this episode because <laughs> there is so much to put in. There is so much to put in. I must make sure that I get it all, um, oh, all done. Oh, it's been an absolute so, pleasure. Um, yes, actually to um, talk to you and hear what you're involved in, I can't, un- I can't appreciate how much scheduling must be involved in all of this because you must be going to meetings here, there and everywhere. Well, I, I am, but um, it's it's funny because when you're uh, running a business full time, you've got so many responsibilities and you've got to be every day you're in there because you've got to show an example to mm. the staff, hence back to the railway days. But I think what I'm doing now and uh, non-exec director, I'm also non-exec director of an affordable housing company, mm. uh, which is looking at affordable housing particularly for ex-military personnel and for um, emergency services. Mm. So I love it because it's it's got a good um, raison d'etre to it. Um, but because it's not my full-time job, all I'm doing uh, in the morning, I can decide, yes, I'm doing that or I'm doing this. And it's not the same pressure. Mm. Um, and it keeps me young and keeps me, the grey cells keeps everything turning, in, yes. moving. So uh, long may it continue. Mm. I shall never, people say to me, when are you retiring? And I always respond by saying, I can't spell the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for fitting us in today and doing this interview. That's just been brilliant. It really has. Thank you. I it's been an absolute it. pleasure. Mm. And uh, I, I shall support what you're doing. I think it's great and um, making some of these stories come to life. Mm. And I'm now thinking who else I can introduce you to. No, Susan. That, that will be good. I have yeah. my pen. Poised, ready. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Susan signing out from Inside Yorkshire. 
Next week's episode will be featuring Chris Maidley and she will be telling us all about the Cone series of books, children's books that she's written. So don't forget to tune in next week and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes.